0: You are listening to the teaching podcast of Praise Community Church in Mason City, Iowa. For more information about our church, please visit praycc.org. This morning I want to kind of just start and I'm going to spend a couple of weeks, I don't know how many weeks, but a couple of weeks and I just kind of want to really I kind of start hitting on biblical authority. I feel like so much of the breakdown in our culture today when we see a lack of respect for law enforcement, we see the breakdown in homes, the lack of parental authority, or we see the breakdown in schools where there's a lack of respect for the authority of teachers, of principals. It really all comes down to really a lack of biblical authority, both in our understanding of that biblical authority as well as our coming under that biblical authority. Authority. So, I want to just kind of talk about for the next couple of weeks, biblical authority. I want to talk about it from the perspective of how did Jesus see it and understand it? How did he apply or walk in biblical authority? And and how are we as the church, the body of Christ? How are we being called to walk in or to come under biblical authority? And therein really kind of lies one of the principles of of authority, in order to have authority, you must be under authority. And you're gonna, you're gonna kinda hear that uh principle kind of in a number of different ways this morning, but again, you must be under authority if you're ever going to have or to exercise authority. Now to be clear, there's a huge difference between power and authority, and we see both of those in our culture, we see both of those uh, in the Scriptures, because a lot of people mistake power with authority. Power, in essence, is the ability to determine what needs to happen, what needs to occur, what needs to be done. And then you couple that with coercive force where I can make you abide by or do whatever I wish or desire. I can force you to comply with my demands. I can decide what I want done, and power is is that I have the force to make you do it whether you want to or not. And again, we often uh, see this kind of power in dictators, for example. I can force you to comply with my demands. This is one of the main ways power can be used. Now, authority, is different in that authority is the ability to get you to do what I desire you to do without any force or coercion on my part. Authority is simply just to present myself, my wishes, my ideas, my desires, in such a way that people want to. They'll willingly comply without any force or pressure from me. Now, one of the significant relationships between power and authority is as power increases, authority decreases, and vice versa. As authority increases, power, in the way that I've described it, decreases, One of the things we're going to kind of see and discover this morning is that Jesus walked in great authority. So to get an idea of how Jesus kind of understood and really applied and walked in authority, I want to just share with you one of the healing miracles uh, recorded in Matthew chapter 8, beginning in verse 5. If you have your Bibles, I would invite you to turn there. Otherwise, you can just follow along with me here on the screen. And there it says, that when Jesus entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him, begging him and saying, Lord, my servant is lying paralyzed at home, terribly tormented. And Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. But the centurion replied, Lord, I am not worthy for you to come under my roof, but just say the word and my servant will be healed. For I too am a man under authority with soldiers under me, and I say to this one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes, and to my slave, do this, and he does it. Now, when Jesus heard this, he was amazed. Some of your translations would say, he marveled at this man's response and said to those who were following, truly, I say to you, I have not found such great faith with anyone in all of Israel. And I say to you that many will come from the east and the west and recline at the table with Abram, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the sons of the kingdom will be thrown out into outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And Jesus said to the centurion, Go, it shall be done for you as you have believed. And the servant was healed at that very moment. Now, I think this is kind of one of the more interesting. Stories involving Jesus and his healing miracles. One of the things I love about the healing miracles is that each healing miracle is designed to teach you something different about the power of healing. God doesn't do healing uh, just in one way. It's not a formula that you have to figure out and then you basically kind of just apply the, the formula to get people healed. Jesus healed in a lot of different ways. And and there are way more healings that Jesus did than are ever recorded in the Bible, but I'm here to tell you every healing miracle that was recorded, God had recorded to teach us something different about the multi-dimension to healing. And so this is kind of one of these very, very interesting uh, stories involving Jesus and healing miracles. And, And I say that because there just are certain times in Scripture when you hit something and it just explains a lot. And, and I want to say right up front, this is one of these times because in this case, it is the only time in all of Scripture where Jesus marveled or Jesus was amazed. And, and in this particular case, he was amazed, he marveled at this man's faith. Now, there were other times where Jesus marveled uh, in in the Scripture, but it was where he marveled at their unbelief. But this is the only time in all of Scripture where Jesus marveled at someone's faith. And he didn't just call it faith, he called it great faith. And I believe in what this man said and in what Jesus identified and called great faith faith we may have come to what is really one of the key understandings of what faith is really all about. And so I want to kind of get into this, and I want to see what is Jesus not just saying to the centurion, but what is he also trying to say to us today? Now, the main character in this story is not the servant who was at home sick, who gets healed, but rather it was the man who came on his behalf, the centurion. And what do we mean by centurion? Well, we know that he was not a Jewish man. He was probably and most likely a Roman. And he was a man who was in charge over a hundred other men. And that's where the word centurion comes from, one over a hundred. Today, he would be kind of maybe similar to a, a, a captain in the army, and these, these centurions, they were some of the best men in the Roman army. They were solid, they were stable, they were dependable, they were well-trained. I mean, some, some uh, scholars uh, identify them as kind of the cement uh, of the Roman army. And so, again, you want to understand you've got really, really good men here. And if you go through the New Testament and you just kind of look at the uh, centurions that are found there throughout Scripture, you'll find that there are quite a few of them. And many of these centurions, these men, they had very open hearts to God. And even though this centurion is a Gentile, he's heard stories about Jesus, He's heard maybe stories of Jesus' miracles. He's heard stories of his teachings. He's heard, you know, stories of his healings. And we know that he has this great, enormous respect for Jesus because twice he calls him Lord. And I would say that there's maybe even an awe that this centurion has regarding Jesus. Jesus. And I'm going to suggest at this point, you know, sort of ahead of time, that I think the main thing that this man heard about Jesus and the thing that appealed to him most was Jesus' authority. You remember in the New Testament after the miracles and healings and and Jesus' teaching, the one thing that you would find over and over and over in the crowd's reaction was, again, they would talk about Jesus' authority. How they were amazed at the authority by which he taught, the authority by which he healed, the authority by which he spoke. And I suggest that this whole concept of Jesus' authority had come to the attention of this centurion. As a military man, probably almost from the cradle, he had this concept of authority kind of drilled into him. And this centurion seems to kind of have understood what Jesus was all about better than those who had been with him. The scripture says that this centurion had a servant who was home. And he was very sick. And Jesus responds to his request and says, I will come to your house and I will heal him. The centurion again his enormous respect for Jesus, he responds and he says, I'm not worthy for you to even come under my roof. But Jesus, if you could only just speak the word, I know that my servant would be healed. And the centurion said, and I want to quote this again because this is so important to understand. He said, for I too am a man under authority with soldiers under me, one over a hundred And I tell this one, go, and he goes. This one, come, and he comes. This one, do this, and he does it. This centurion, again, he understood authority. you got to hear this. But this is where, again, I believe one of the keys to faith, great faith, faith that will move mountains, this is where great faith can be found and understood. That, sent, that statement of the centurions I just quoted, again, it's what caused Jesus just to stop in his tracks and, and turn to that man and marvel. And he said, I, I've not found this kind of faith in anyone in all of Israel. And Jesus is saying, that's where I should have found it. I should have found it in the people of God. I didn't find it there where I should have found it. I found it where I didn't expect to find it. That is the indictment of the church today. Jesus is looking for great faith. People who can walk in great faith. He says that he's searching the earth looking for faith. Will he find faith among us? That statement that the centurion made, again, is the key to great faith. The centurion said, and let me just quote it again, for I too. Jesus is saying, I recognize. What he's saying to Jesus is is he says, I recognize, Jesus, that at a certain point, at a certain level, we're the same. We kind of have the same understanding, we have the same mindset when it comes to authority. You and I, you and me together, I too, like you, am a man under authority with many soldiers under me. And I say to them, Go, and they go, come, and they come, do this, and they do it. Again, when Jesus heard this, he marveled. What this centurion said is if it caused Jesus to marvel, to be amazed, it's a a key here to something, and I'm convinced it was all about his understanding of authority. So what is authority? The Greek word is exousia, and it literally means to come out of yourself. What does that mean? It means that authority is when one person has delegated authority to another to speak and to act in their place. Now, if I, I've been given authority, I have, uh, if I have been given authority, um, if I have been given authority, if I have given you authority, if I have given authority to Patty, what the New Testament teaches is I have come out of myself and into her. And I have given her authority that she would go and do that she would go and say what I would do, what I would say if I were to go myself. I have come out of myself and into her. That's the idea of authority. I have come out of myself and into another. That in whatever place you go where you have been given authority, you interpret, you enact my mind, my will, and my agenda as if I were going to go and do it myself. You are going to go under my authority with my authority and you are going to get done what I want done and you're going to do it in such a way that it was as if I myself went. That's the idea of authority, into someone's authority or we're under someone's authority and we're not doing their will, their agenda, their mind, we're not doing what they want done, is if I'm that person that delegated the authority, I begin to become very frustrated and disappointed. It's like if I go to work at Steve's body shop, okay, Steve's going to give me a certain level of authority there as an employee, Okay, so I'm going to have to know what does Steve want done, how does Steve want it done. I've got to be able to do it exactly the way Steve would want it done, as if Steve himself were doing it. Now, if I were to go into Steve's shop and, and, and say that I'm under your authority, but I'm going to do what I want to do the way I want to do it, whether you like it or not, it's frustrating as a business owner. Steve would be very frustrated. I probably wouldn't be employed there very long, would I? So it's extremely important. You have to know if you're under someone's authority, it's crucial that you know their mind, their will, and their agenda so that you can go and be an exact representation of what they would want done or said in the way they would want it done. Now, at the heart of authority, you come to this idea of of standing under authority. That's why I said earlier, you cannot have authority unless you're under authority. They both come together. And a lot of what we see in our culture today, again, it's a breakdown of biblical authority. You've heard the saying, evil, you know, prevails because good men do nothing. Well, I would, I would add to that evil prevails because godly men and women do nothing. We're not walking in the authority we've been given. There's great evil on the earth, not because God's out of control, but because God has given control. He's given authority to the body of Christ to do, to implement his mind, his will, and his agenda. He has come out of himself and into his body for the very purpose of giving us authority to walk in and to do what he would want done as if he himself were here, the one doing it. It's why we see in Genesis, he he gives authority to Adam, and what's one of the first ways Adam exercises that authority is naming the animals, And whatever Adam said, that's what that animal was. Adam didn't, you know, look at the elephant and say elephant, and God said, no, I don't want it called that. I don't don't like that name. Let's change it to something. No, Adam said elephant. God said, elephant it is. He's exercising his authority, his dominion that he had been given over the earth. So a lot of the, the issues, the evil that we see pervasive in our culture today, it's just it's, it's a lack of authority. It's a breakdown, ultimately, of biblical authority. We're not walking in the authority we've been given. And, and again, this centurion, he's not there to fulfill his own mind, his own will, and his own agenda. He knows he has to fulfill the mind, the will, and the agenda of the one whose authority he is under. Just can't go out there and do what you want to do. He recognizes, I am under another person's authority. and I am in that authority to specifically fulfill and to do their mind, their will and their agenda. So this centurion had authority because he was under authority. So this centurion in Capernaum, where Jesus and he meet, he stands under his commander, who stands under his commander, who stands under his commander, who stands under his commander, and there's this chain of command that goes all the way up to the Roman Caesar. It's his authority, ultimately, this centurion is under the authority of of the Roman Caesar, and he is there to enact the mind, the will, and the agenda of the Roman Caesar. So he's under authority in order to exercise authority. And again, if you're not under authority, you don't have any authority. Now that means when this centurion speaks way down here, you know, this is where he's at, maybe in the chain of command. When he speaks down here it's as if the Roman Caesar is speaking. Even though he's way down here because he's under authority. He knows, he understands, he implements the mind, the will, the agenda. So when he speaks down here, it's as if the Roman Caesar is speaking up here at the top of the chain of command. When you mess with this centurion, you're messing with the Roman Caesar. He may be a puny, weak, snot-nosed little guy, there may not be much to him, but when he speaks, when he acts, they understood it's as if the Roman Caesar was speaking and acting, and you mess with him, you're messing with the Roman Caesar. All the power of the Roman army stands behind him and they're ready to back him up to make sure what he says, what he says needs to be done is said and done. Again, to exercise authority, you gotta know the one who gave the authority. I cannot go out there and just do my own thing. I can't go out there and speak my own mind. I've got to act in the authority I've been given, and in order to do that, I've got to know thoroughly the mind, the will, and the agenda of the one who has delegated the authority to me. Authority brings great responsibility, because when you're given authority, you're expected to exercise it. When you're given authority, there comes with it the expectation that you are going to exercise the authority that you've been given. Again, otherwise, the person who's delegated that authority to you becomes frustrated. What needs to be done isn't being done because the authority you've been given isn't being exercised. Now, if you're a Roman centurion, you don't just wake up. When you're off duty and say, I don't feel like enforcing Rome today. Today, the Jews can do whatever they want to do. You can't. Because again, if you did, the person who came out of themselves, who delegated authority to you, has been thwarted. They're frustrated. If you do not represent the mind, the will, and agenda in the area where you have been given authority, the whole system breaks down. That's what we're looking at in our culture today. And so this, this centurion, he was obeyed not because he was more powerful than all the hundred men put together. They did what he told them, not because he was ten feet tall like Goliath. As I could say, he, he was a very, very, could have been a very, very small man, but he had authority. So he's saying, I am the presence of Rome. I represent Rome. When I speak, Rome speaks. When I act, Rome acts. That's the idea there. So I don't have to beg people to get them to do what I want them to do. I don't have to shout. So I can move a whole nation with just do this, go there. I told you all of this because it's with this understanding, this mindset, that the centurion looks at Jesus and he says, you and I, were a lot alike. You and I, we both understand authority. We have the same understanding. We have the same mindset. We walk in authority. And he says, Jesus, when you speak, when you say the word Jesus whatever power it is behind sickness and disease it has to obey you because you are a man under authority and it knows it can't mess with you it knows it can't disobey you it knows that it's not just you but but that your superior authority, and all of heaven stands behind you, ready to back you up. And we know that Jesus' authority, it comes from God the Father. And this centurion understood and he recognized. and Jesus marveled at what he understood, what he recognized. And he understood, Jesus, you have not been sent to do your own thing. You have not come to do your own will, your own agenda, because you, like me, are under authority. You know the mind, the will, and the agenda of the one whose authority you're under. You know what he would want done, what he would want said. Remember, Jesus said in John 4, 34, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish its work. It's why Jesus said, I only do what I see the Father doing. I only speak what I hear the Father saying. Not here to do his own thing. Not here to speak his own word. He's here to enact, to enforce the mind, the will, and the agenda of the one who sent him, whose authority he was under, who came out of himself and into Jesus. Jesus speaks, and God the Father backs him up. Because what Jesus is saying and doing is if God the Father himself were the one saying or doing it. And sickness and demons, you have to obey him. And that's why the centurion just said to Jesus, speak the word. I say go and they go, come and they come, do this, they do this, speak the word word. You have authority over sickness and disease. It obeys you. You don't need to come to my house. Just say the word. That was the secret, I believe, in part, to Jesus' life and ministry. That's why I say Jesus spun around. And he marveled. He was amazed at this man's understanding of authority. And it's as if Jesus says, you got it, you got it. You understand it better than anybody I've ever met. Better than anybody I've even met in all of Israel. That's why we need to understand. We need to stand under authority. We, the church, the body of Christ, we have been given authority as we stand under authority. As we come under the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. cannot have authority unless you come under someone's authority. We, the body of Christ, we've been given authority from Jesus who got it from his heavenly Father. That is Jesus out of himself through the Holy Spirit. Remember that time in, in scripture where it says Jesus blew on the Holy Spirit, he, he came out of himself and into them to go and to do what Jesus would have done if he'd have gone himself, to say what Jesus would have said as if Jesus would have gone himself to say it, that as Jesus speaks, we speak. As we do, it's as if it were the hands of Jesus doing it himself. As we speak, it would be as if the lips of Jesus himself were saying those words. Our hands become an extension of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus has given to us exousia, authority, as we stand under, we come under his authority. We are the body of Christ, and we implement the mind, will, and the agenda of the one who sent us. But again, it is so critical. We must know what the mind, the will, and the agenda of the one whose authority we are under. God is not out of control. The church is out of control. Men, I'm speaking to you. It's time to wake up, and it's time to step up. And I'm not here to denigrate the women. I'm here to support. I am here to encourage. I am here to do whatever I need to do to empower the women to do what God's calling them to do. But my question is, where are the men? Where are you? Is this your exercise of authority to sit behind the women? Wake up. Step up. You've been given authority. Some of you don't have any problem going out there and exercising authority in your workplace. But for some reason you come into the church and you're overcome with fear or ignorance or incompetence. I don't know what it is. But we're not walking in the authority we have been given. And thank God the women have stepped into the gap. But it's time, men, to wake up and to step up. Step up in the church. Step up in your families. Begin to exercise the authority, the dominion that you've been given through the Word of God. Don't let fear, don't let ignorance, we we know, the Bible says we have the mind of Christ. We know, we know what His mind, His will and agenda is. He's given it to us. God is not out of control. The church is out of control. God is not out of authority. He's waiting to delegate authority. He's waiting to give that authority. Jesus said, last verse of Matthew 28, 18, all exousia, all authority is given to me in heaven and upon earth. Go, therefore, and preach the gospel. Jesus said, I have received all authority. Now go and walk and exercise that authority that you have been given. When we don't do that, it frustrates, it frustrates, thwarts the will of God from being done on the earth. That's why there is such pervasive evil across the face of this nation, across the face of this world, because good, godly men and women are not doing nothing. We're not taking that authority that has been given to us. We're not exercising that. And it's thwarting the will of God across the nation. All of our enemies of the spirit world, they're stronger than us. The devil, he's stronger than us. All of hell is stronger than this, but it doesn't matter because we have authority. We've been given authority. Jesus said in Luke 10, 19, and he's speaking again to the body of Christ, he says, I give you, exousia, I give you authority. To do what? To trample on serpents and scorpions. I give you exousia, authority over all the power of the enemy. That's a lot of power. That's a lot of authority. Jesus has given us authority over the power of the enemy. But where has this authority been given It's focused in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm going to close with this. In Luke chapter 10, you may remember Jesus commissioned 70 disciples to go out and he just wanted them to prepare the city for when he would come. And Jesus gives them instructions on what to do and what not to do. And he says in verse uh, 17 of Luke 10, it says the 70, he he gives them authority to go out and to heal the sick, to raise the dead, to preach the good news to the lost. And and it says the 70 came back from doing that. And he said they were filled with great joy. And and they said, Jesus, you're not going to believe that. Not only did we do everything you told us to do, but even the demons obeyed us. This authority you gave us, man, it was more than we ever expected or understood, man. Even the demons obeyed us. Again, this could possibly and hopefully potentially open up to you that that phrase in the name of Jesus. Whenever you use that phrase, in the name of Jesus, we are calling upon that authority. We're recognizing that authority that has been given to us as Jesus has come out of himself into us through the power, the presence of the Holy Spirit. We begin to exercise that authority as if we were Jesus Himself. That's the idea. I'm doing this, I'm saying this, not under my own authority, but under the authority of the one who has sent me, the Lord Jesus Christ. It means we maybe better think twice when we use that phrase, in the name of Jesus. When I say in the name of Jesus, it means I have expressed the mind, the will, and the agenda of the one who sent me. And when I speak that word, when I exercise that authority, I have God the Father and all of heaven backing me up. I'm not here on my own. I come in the name of the Lord. I come in the strength of the Lord. I come in the power of the Lord. That is what it means to understand, to exercise, and to walk in the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. And this is what Jesus calls the church to today. The world is waiting for the sons and the daughters of God to wake up, to rise up, to begin to walk in and to exercise that authority that has been given to us in the name of Jesus. Amen. Let's stand together this morning. Father, we thank you There is power in the word of Jesus. There is power in the word of God. And Father, this morning we just ask, Lord, by the power of the presence of your Holy Spirit, God, that you would begin to come and to fill us That, God, you would begin to come and to release your authority over us, in us, and through us. That, Father, we would begin to go to be the hands, the feet, the mouth of Jesus. Father, that we would see darkness and bring light. We would see sickness and bring healing. We would see hopelessness and bring hope. Not because it's what we want, but it's because it's what you want. We are here, your servants, co-heirs, co-workers with Christ Jesus. We are here to know and to understand and to implement the mind of Christ, which you have revealed to us through your word and through your Holy Spirit. So, Father, we just ask, Lord, that the Holy Spirit would begin to fill us, to empower us, Father, that we would begin to go And to do as Jesus would do himself, to speak as Jesus himself would speak through us. And Father, we thank you, Lord, that you have given this authority to your body, the church. Father, I come against any lie of the enemy. I come against any scheme of the enemy. Fear, doubt, worthiness. There's some of you that are feeling, I'm not worthy to walk in this. Yes, you are. It's not your worthiness you're walking in. It's his worthiness you're walking in. It's not your love for him that empowers you. It's his love for you that empowers you. So, Father, we just ask, Lord, that you would come and remove any and all barriers that prevent us from walking in that authority. That you have granted to us that you have come out of yourself and into us through the power of the presence of the Holy Spirit. Father, we receive that now. We receive it in greater measure for those of you that are already walking in it. Father wants to release a greater anointing, a greater authority over you this morning. That nothing will hold you back. That the gates of hell will not prevail against his church. The gates of hell will not prevail against his body. Father, we thank you, Lord, that you have given us this authority. We claim it. We walk in it. Father, we pray that you'll train our hands for war. Feel like God is training some hands for war in here. Father, we pray, Lord, that you would again empower our mouths, as as Patty talked about, again, the very oracle of God this morning. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Father, we want to live by that. We want to walk by that. And all we need to do this morning is just receive what he freely gives. He freely gives his authority to those who will come under, to those who desire to know his mind, his will, and his agenda. He longs to release greater authority in his body this morning. And, Father, we want to walk in that. We want to receive that. And we thank you for that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Woo! Jesus. You are listening to the teaching podcast of Praise Community Church in Mason City, Iowa. For more information about our church, please visit praisecc.org.